Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I want to thank everyone for taking a few minutes to open up your Bibles and to study along with us. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6 this morning. We're continuing our study through the book of Romans. We finished up chapter 5 last week, and so we're going to dive into chapter 6 this week. And really, as you get into chapter 6, it really continues along with the train of thought that, that Paul was ending chapter 5 with. And so it's important, if you didn't care, catch our conversation last week, I think it's important to go back and read through, especially that last section of Romans chapter 5, before you really dive into chapter 6, because it continues a thought there in regards to sin and grace, and how those two go together and work together in that regard. And so we have to to really understand where we are in relation to sin, God's plan for sin, through the grace that Jesus brought into this world, to really understand where Paul is going in Romans chapter 6. But Jeremy, as as we get started here, when we start chapter 6, he really asks a question there to begin chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And really, again, that's going back to the way he ended chapter 5 there. But as you get into chapter 6 and you see that question posed, what do you think is really leading Paul to ask a question like that here in chapter 6? You know, it's interesting. You know, as Paul is writing these words, I mean, it's it's a couple of different things. I mean, it could be a direct question that he has heard before or a question that he's maybe heard for even from these brethren, or it's a question he knows is going to come up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those, you know, one of those things. I know now because of what we've just talked about maybe this is a question you have and so he kind of poses it to himself I mean it's kind of weird as he's you know he's, he's writing it he's kind of you know maybe posing this question to himself and so you know my guess is 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 because of just where he has been he, he's going to raise that you know maybe here is a question that, that you would have and so mm-hmm. let's let's spend some time talking about it and so right where he's been without rehashing certainly all of chapter five I mean he's basically painting the picture of it, it doesn't matter the amount of sin that man has committed or, or in total or even personally individually God's grace is able to to cover that up I mean that is the greatness of the sacrifice mm-hmm. that's really the end of chapter five the sacrifice Sacrifice that was made is so fantastic. It's able to take care of, you know, the one sacrifice able to take care of sin for all of mankind. And so now it's that grace is something that you want, you know, that you want to have a part of. Mm-hmm. It is now only that going to happen when I sin. So if I now sin more, does that equal more grace? And so it's kind of, you know, kind of a weird way to come at it. But you can maybe see where people would get. Do I want more grace? If how do I get grace? Well, maybe I can get grace more if I sin more. And so he's going to kind of tackle that. Men, men Mentality really is what he tackles in the really the entirety of chapter six. I've always looked at, at the beginning of chapter six here as, and tied it in with with, us, with something Jesus did in Luke chapter seven when he addresses a woman who's come into the midst who is a sinner, and, and she's looked at differently because of her great sin, mm-hmm. so to speak. And Jesus poses the question: Well, if if who's going to love more, the one who has sinned more or the one who sinned less? And the, the answer, obviously, there is is almost uh, redundant in the way that it's it's, it's worded. But I, but I think what he's trying to point out here, what Paul is trying to point out here, is 
grace is not to be viewed as a safety net. And I think there's a lot of misconception about how we view grace in that regard. It's not something that we're supposed to look at as, oh, I can sin and sin and sin because I've got grace. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a bad way of looking at the grace that's been extended to us. What, what Paul is trying to help us understand and what Jesus was trying to teach as well is that grace really should be a motivator for right. us. And that's what he's going to go on to talk about here. He's going to go on to talk about that old man being put to death, the, the man of sin being put to death, and we are going to be a new creature. And the grace that has been extended to us is the motivator to help us live a life in the way that Christ wants us to live it. That has to be the way that we look at grace. And it, it may seem subtle in, in the two differences there, but seeing grace as a safety net is a big problem that I think the world is dealing with not just right now, probably forever, but especially right now. There, there is a, a big misconception that because of what Christ did by coming to this world and dying on the cross, I'm free to do whatever I want because I can get grace. And that is not the way that we're supposed to be looking at grace. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a, it's a big part of our religious culture, you know, if you will. I mean, it, it's certainly a major component to Calvinism. I mean, there's no question about that. When you There's, you know, lots of components to Calvinism, but, but this is one of them, is that, listen, you, you have this freedom to live and to do and to act and behave however you want to because God's grace is there. And so because God's grace is there, I can do whatever I want, and ultimately I'm going to be okay because mm-hmm. God's grace is there. Well, God's grace is there for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. Yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, for us to look at it as a safety net is exactly the mentality that Paul is refuting here in Romans chapter 6. Is he going to talk about baptism? Absolutely he is. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it mm-hmm. this morning. You know, I have no doubt about it. But Romans chapter 6 is not a chapter on baptism. Right. Is baptism talked about? It is. Is it talked about here maybe more in depth and in, in what happens when that occurs than anywhere else? I mean, it probably does. But Romans chapter 6 isn't a chapter about that. Mm-hmm. It is a chapter about our mentality towards sin. Mm-hmm. Maybe our mentality towards God's grace. I think you're mm-hmm. right about that. And the way that we're looking at it and the way that we kind of, you know, handle, you know, handle the way, you know, that we behave and conduct ourselves. And really, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there because our mentality towards sin is really, in a lot of ways, it dictates our mentality towards grace mm. and vice versa. We can't have a misconception about our relationship to sin while having a biblical understanding <laughs> of God's grace. Those two have to align with each other. We right. have to recognize that as Christians, as Paul's going to go on to point out here, we have to recognize as Christians that we died to sin. When we were baptized into Christ, we died to sin. That means that life is gone. That means that, that grace has, has taken care of that for us. That, that part of our life doesn't exist anymore. That man doesn't exist anymore. We have to understand that or else baptism really isn't going to do us any good without a proper understanding of the relationship that we once had to sin and how we're supposed to view sin as Christians. That has to be something that we come to terms with and have a clear understanding about as Christians in today's world, where we once were and where we are now. Yeah, I mean, just right here in the first two verses, I mean, in a lot of ways, the chapter itself could have ended at verse 2. I mean, <laughs> then he could have moved on to chapter 7. Now, he, he reiterates and he, he kind of opens you know the specifics up a little bit. I'm glad mm-hmm. that he does. Mm-hmm. But the whole chapter is really opened and shut and just 
the first two verses mm-hmm. where, you know, that question that we've read about already, you know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then there in verse two, he kind of answers that, you know, certainly not. And exactly where you are, how should we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so he, he answers that question, he does so with the question, but certainly a rhetorical kind of, you know, way. And that is... It has a question mark, but it could have a period because yeah. I mean it, yeah. it, it's it's everything that chapter six now goes into is feeds off of that point that he makes there in verse two, and so that point overwhelmingly is the main idea of the mentality that we are we we need to have to sin. And remember, he's writing this to Christians, mm-hmm. and so he, he's mm-hmm. talking to these people and reminding them about what baptism is all about, but it, it reminding them about what baptism is all about because of its relationship to sin. Mm-hmm. And so sin and grace, they are at the forefront of, of this chapter, and baptism is a reminder of, of what that relationship is towards sin specifically, no and, doubt. And I think you're, you're right. You mentioned earlier that you, you can't really have a study of Romans chapter 6 without obviously talking about baptism. I mean, right. that is an important part of it. But I think what we're going to see here is first having that clear understanding of sin and that clear understanding of grace is going to help in our understanding of baptism. For sure. And, and that's what Paul is, is talking about here. And it is a good passage of Scripture for people who perhaps don't have a clear understanding of what baptism is and, and what it's supposed to represent and what it actually does for us. Romans chapter 6 is a good place to go for this. Yes. But only if you first establish your understanding of sin and grace. Then you can really understand baptism and why it's so important, what it does for us, and, and really how it's supposed to be done and what it represents when we're baptized into Christ. We're, we're taking part in his death and raising up as he rose up a new creature. That, that, that act of baptism is crucial for someone, but only if you first understand sin and grace. And that, that has to be a part of it. And I think that's why it's important to study these first five chapters of Romans before you dive into chapter 6. Because these first five chapters, as we've already pointed out, really set up this section of Romans chapter 6. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, from the very beginning of the book of Romans, the, the idea about God's wrath. I mean, God's wrath is introduced for, to us at the very beginning. I mean, in Romans chapter 1, that God's wrath is going to be poured out on those who suppress the truth. And that's something that's bad. And then we read from there, sin is connected to that. Yeah. And now when we get into the second half of chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5, when you know the tune changes a little bit towards the grace that's you know been given to us and brought to us mm-hmm. now that that's a way for us to be free of God's wrath and so it, you're absolutely right and certainly these first you know six chapters it is sin and grace that has to be at the forefront uh, of our mentality and and all of that is God's wrath whether it's on us or we are free from that and sin is a com- key component Grace is a key component, and we have to have an understanding, a clear understanding of both of those things. And baptism, as, as it's described here, is really the avenue in which we receive the grace that Christ has extended to us. We, we take part in his death through the act of baptism. And, and as it's described here, what that does in verse number 5, it unites us in the likeness of Christ by being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, putting to death that old man, receiving the grace that's been extended to us. We can now be free of sin, and because we're free of sin, we can be united in the likeness 
likeness of Christ. And that really, ultimately, I, I hope we're talking to people who that's their goal. I mean, all of us, I, I hope our goal is to be united in the likeness of Christ. I mean, I can't think of anything that I'd rather be united in more than in the likeness of Christ. Right. And, and this right here is a very, very descriptive way of how that happens. Christ came to this earth and died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. You have to understand your relationship to sin. You have to understand the grace that's been extended to you. You have to understand baptism. And all of that leads you to a unity that can be found in Christ. And that is the beauty of being a Christian, it is to wake up every day knowing that you are one with Christ. And man, that, that changes your perception as to how you look at this world. It changes how you look at life and death. It changes how you look at material things. All of that is driven by this unity that we should all strive for in Christ. Yeah, and that, that's going to take place in baptism. I mean, baptism is something that's talked about a lot in the New Testament. I mean, certainly through the Gospels, uh, it's talked about no question in the book of Acts. It is talked mm-hmm. about a lot and exemplified and showcased over and over and over uh, that you know people are being baptized into Christ. And you, you do have passages like you know in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 about you know a little, a little deeper into the picture about what baptism is all about when you have Ananias there with Paul, you know, telling me, you know, why, why do you, why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, washing your sins away. And so mm-hmm. you have a little bit of a deeper picture there, but it really isn't until Romans chapter six. So you get a, a full picture because of the parallel that Paul mm-hmm. uses with Jesus, that Jesus died, that he was buried and then he rose from the dead. I mean, you see all three of those things used with reference to baptism just in these first, you know, four, five, six verses. Mm-hmm. And now it allows us to, to paint those parallels because Paul's already used the word about death. Verse 2, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so you already have, you know, this, you know, this picture that's kind of given to us, you know, the parallel that's kind of given to us here. You know, and you may have, you know, people will often ask me, you know, about baptism specifically, mm-hmm. and they'll say, you know, it, 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 what does it really do anything? Is it just a symbol of, you know, something that's already taken place? Do, do we really even know what it does? Or, or maybe a question about sin. Do we know the exact time that our sin is gone when we have it and then we don't? I'll often answer that with, I think we can. I mm-hmm. think we know exactly when that is. And that, occur, that's, that occurs right here in Romans chapter 6. And the example, the illustration of Jesus helps us because we, we understand, as Romans 6 says, we were dead in our sins, we are buried in baptism, and we raise a new creature. Mm-hmm. And so you have on one side a dead, old, sinful man and you have on the other side a new, sinless creature in the likeness of Christ, well, what occurs in the middle of those two things? <laughs> well, in the middle of those two, two things is the burial, uh-huh. the buried in a baptism. And so it, it paints the picture that, listen, that, that's what baptism does. And that's exactly what Ananias was saying in Acts 22. Uh, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, washing your sins away. But this really gives us that illustri- illustrative picture about uh, how all of the and the importance of it now, uh, about why you see through the book of Acts, it talked about and demonstrated over and over and over because it is the moment that our sins are there once and gone the next. I really like how it's it's described there in verse number nine, where it gives this picture of once you die, you don't you don't die anymore. You don't yeah. continue dying. You're you're dead. 
But then he, he says there, by Christ resurrecting from the dead, mm-hmm. death no longer has dominion over him. And when we think about that in the context of what's being described here, the same is true with us when we are baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and we are raised from that water, sin no longer has dominion over us. And that, that is a, a beautiful picture and a freeing picture. And that, that is going to be the theme that's going to be talked about in the verses to follow. The free nature of that in a lot of ways. That prior to that, we are slaves to sin. Death has dominion over us. Now, we, we think about that. We, none of us should want to live lives as slaves to sin. But that's, not, that's not a life that anybody is going to be interested in. But prior to baptism, that's exactly where we are. Right. But, but through the act of baptism, because of what Christ has done for us, we can raise up out of those waters and sin no longer has dominion over us. That is an empowering picture of, of the life of a Christian that can be had through Christ. To live a life where, where sin and death don't have dominion over us. We get to look forward to eternity. We get to look forward to heaven. And, and that is where a Christian's focus goes because of the grace that's been extended to us and because of the baptism that we can, we can share with in Christ. Yeah, throughout, I mean, in several places in Paul's writings, I mean, he'll use the word, you know, dead to sin or put to death the old mm-hmm. man. I mean, you know, that's kind of a, a phraseology that he'll use over and over. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he uses those things. And, and it, it has that very, um, I'm trying to come up with the word, but almost a, a finality to mm-hmm. it. And, and that's the point. I remember that's everything is pulling off of, you know, verse one. I mean, yeah. can, should we continue to sin? I need to continue to sin in order to have more grace. But the point that Paul is making, it, certainly he uses baptism to make the point, but the point is you're no longer slaves of sin. You're, you're, you have You've crucified that part of the man. You have put that to death. And the point that's made, when we put something to death, that, that's it. That's yeah. it. I mean, it, it, we under, you know, that's something we understand. Something dies, that, that's it. And so he's trying to help us to understand it. And you're right, man, for the whole back half of chapter 6, he just points back to, listen, you were once slaves of sin, but because of God's grace... That's not the case anymore. And, you know, almost culminating there in verse 14 where it says that sin shall not have dominion over you. And so he's kind of answering this question there of the certainly not. You've died to sin. You don't have to live in it anymore. It doesn't have dominion over you. And so, you know, you have really from verse 2 through verse 14 him kind of answering that question. And, uh, and you know, that'll springboard him into really the second question for what we have in chapter 6. And I think it's really important for us as Christians living in today's world to realize that the picture that's being painted here is one in which things change forever in our lives when we make the decision to become a Christian. I think sometimes there is a danger anyway, a danger that can exist uh, of, of the mentality that, well, I'm going to get baptized and then I'll kind of think this through a little bit. I'll kind of figure this thing out a little bit. And certainly there is maturity and there's sure. growth that's going to take place. I don't want to diminish that in any way. 
But I do think it's important for us to recognize that our lives change forever when right. we make the decision to be baptized. That, that is absolutely the picture that's painted here, not just in Romans chapter 6, but in other places as well. You mentioned Ephesians 4 just a moment ago. That there is absolutely a change that needs to take place in our lives when we make the decision to become a Christian. This is not something to take lightly. This is not something to do half-heartedly. This is something that we are committing ourselves to. We are putting to death a part of our lives that had, had ruled over us for some period of time. There has to be a change, a noticeable, significant change that takes place in our lives when we become Christians. And so I think it's important for us to just recognize uh, the, the nature of that and not to diminish the, the significance of the change that takes place when we make the decision to put on Christ in baptism. Yeah, I would even say it's a drastic change. I mean, it, it is a drastic difference. And the words that are used here in Romans chapter 6 help us to see that. It is put to death mm -hmm. and to be raised a new creature. I mean, not to be raised close to what we were or a lot of what we were. You are raised a new creature. And, and so mm -hmm. I don't know any more extreme words to use than what's used here in Romans chapter 6 yeah. to paint that picture. And he'll he'll talk about, you know, verse 13, that we're, we're not going to present our, our bodies as our members as instruments of unrighteousness, but we're going to present our, uh, ourselves to God. And he'll get into it very similar things of verse 16. We're not presenting ourselves or what we present ourselves, you know, or what we do. That's what we're enslaved to, the way that we live and the way that we conduct ourselves. And so it, it is, it is a change and it is a drastic change. And the drastic change centers around our mentality towards sin. Mm-hmm. Before Christ, sin ruled us. We were slaves to it. But because of what Christ has done, because of our baptism into Christ, now we've been freed from that completely. And that is a drastically different thing from what was happening before. Well, and I, don't, I don't mean to necessarily just jump to the end of the chapter, but I think it goes along well with what you just said there. Because what Paul will say at the end is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's pointing out there again is that divergent in the paths mm. that takes place. There, there was a, a direct, uh, a direct, a direction that you were going when you were in sin that leads to death. But now there's a direction that you are going as a Christian that leads to eternal life in Christ. Those are going in two opposite directions of each other. But when you're living a life that is ruled by sin, let's not sugarcoat it. The wages of that is death. That is the end. That is, what you are, that is what you are heading toward. And that, that may sound harsh, and I, I hope it does, because I think that's exactly what Paul and the Holy Spirit want it to sound like. It want, he wants it to sound harsh because of the, the significance of that. But the opposite direction and the opportunity that we now have is to go in the direction that leads us to eternal life in Christ. He can free us from that death that awaits in a life that's ruled by sin. And that really has to be our motivation and our driving force is to look towards Christ, look towards eternity, and allow that to drive us and to motivate us throughout our lives to keep that old man of death in the grave where it belongs and to not allow it to come back and rule our lives again. And remember, th this is a reminder 
for those folks. I mean, a lot of times mm-hmm. we'll use Romans chapter 6, and, and we'll be talking to people that, that maybe haven't been baptized into Christ mm-hmm. yet. We're, and we, we can do that because, as we've talked about, it does paint a, a good picture about what baptism is all about. But we have to remember, he, he's writing this as a reminder. Mm-hmm. And, and when we start to put, I mean, the whole of you know, this first part of the book of Romans together, and you start to think about, you know, the points that he made in Romans chapter 1, 2, and 3, even about sin. Everybody has sinned. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Jews are in that boat. Gentiles are in that same boat. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God there in Romans chapter 3. And so you have all that, and you're right. You come to this passage in Romans chapter 6, and it's a reminder. The wages of sin is death. That is that pathway. But he says you're not you're not on that not on that pathway anymore. You're not on that pathway. You're on a different path to a very different place. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that path even exists is because of God's grace. Yep. I mean, that is the only reason that path is even there for us to hop off of one and onto the other one. And it is there because of God's grace. And that's, and so I think you have, you know, a passage like there in verse six, 17 of chapter 6. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, that you obeyed from the heart to which you have been delivered. You've been set free from sin. And so I think in a lot of ways, Romans chapter 6 is that reminder so that we can be so incredibly grateful mm-hmm. that this other path exists. And, th- and that's exactly where Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 is, is all about. The wages of sin is death. That's no good. But over here, the gift of God is eternal life. And the only reason that this exists is because of God's grace, mm-hmm. that, uh, that second path. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you mentioned there, I think can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes there in verse 18. It says, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And you, I, I think sometimes there can be a challenge about, well, how can I be set free if I'm a slave? You know, how do those two things coincide? But I think what we're seeing here is that as slaves of righteousness, as, as Paul puts it here, we're under God's law. We're under God's grace. And that really is freeing in a lot of ways. But he is still in charge. Right. He is still the ruler of our lives. And so in that sense, we are slaves to righteousness now. But that righteousness frees us. That righteousness allows us to live a life that he wants us to live. It allows us to be in unity with Christ. It allows us to share in the blessings of Christ. And so while the the terminology is used here to help us recognize that you went from being slaves of sin to slaves of righteousness... Being a slave of righteousness is a life that everyone should want. Right. Because what that does is it puts us in unity with our Father. It allows us to share in the blessings that He has brought to us and the eternity that He's prepared for us. So that's where we want to be. And so that term, don't let that terminology confuse us because what He's really trying to point out here are the great blessings that can be found when you give your life to righteousness. Yeah, I mean, He says that directly. I'm just a few verses down from that in verse 22, right before mm-hmm. you know that passage that we've, we've said already where He says that... Now now having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, that's that, you know, that terminology you're just talking about. We're set free from one thing to be slaves from another. I mean, what what yeah. does that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But he goes on in that same verse to say that you you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Mm-hmm. For the wages of sin is death. And so you have this incredible you know, contrast that he paints there in those last two verses of a slave to sin is 
devastation and destruction. But yet you can be freed from that mm-hmm. and being a slave to righteousness or a slave to God, which leads to peace and comfort and bliss and ultimately you know, everlasting life. And Paul is, he's reminding all of these folks, so this, this is the path that you are on. This is the path that God has made available to you. And now it should, you're exactly right, we're full circling ourselves towards the end here. Mm-hmm. Now my mentality towards sin, which I don't want anything to do with, and my mentality towards grace, which I am now forever grateful for. And so now we're starting to have that understanding of how those two things, I think, work. And he sets himself up in a lot of ways for chapter 7, you know, kind of pushing forward from there. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up there. Just real quickly before we stop this morning, I want to make mention of the fact that we now have a podcast in which you can download uh, all of our past radio programs, at least going back for a month or so on on there and going forward these will be uploaded to that podcast so if you're on apple podcast or if you use that to, to listen to podcasts regularly if you search for traders point church of christ or truth talk you can find uh, our podcast there and i would encourage you to subscribe to that and that'll give you access to listen to these radio programs uh, at your own convenience as opposed to trying to tune into facebook um, or certainly uh, if you're unable to listen to them live on the radio it'll give you an opportunity to listen to those throughout your day um, at your own convenience. So Apple Podcast, search for Traders Point, Church of Christ, or Truth Talk. And there are a couple of platforms on Android where you can find those as well. Um, so if you search for either of those two things, hopefully that will come up. We'd love for you to subscribe to that so you can follow along with us uh, throughout our study of, of Romans and going forward. So thank you to everyone who has, has taken a few minutes to listen this morning. Uh, if you're in the area and you're looking for a place to worship, uh, we'd love to have you come and visit us. We're located at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We meet for Bible classes at 9 a.m., on Sunday mornings, followed by worship at 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. And then we also meet on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for Bible class. We'd love to have you come and join us any opportunity that you may have. We also live stream our services. So if you're unable to be out with us in person but would like to follow along, you can go to traderspointchurch.org and the live stream of our services will be there. So we'd encourage you and invite you to follow along with us, study with us, and worship with us any opportunity that you might have. So thank you again for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.